Welcome to Digitech Health Leadership Talks, a podcast about digital transformation in healthcare. In this series, we're exploring disruptive technologies that have helped the world through the COVID-19 pandemic. This podcast is brought to you by the International Hospital Federation. I am Dr. Sudha Patak and will be the host for this episode. Our guest of the day is Brandon Roberry, who is CEO Digital Healthcare at Aster TM Healthcare. Welcome, Brandon, and thank you for accepting our invitation for having this interview today. Oh, great to be with you. Please tell us about yourself, where you work, and what is your role? Uh, sure. So I work for Aster DM Healthcare. Uh, Aster DM Healthcare is one of the largest integrated health providers really on this side of the world. I sit in Dubai, United Arab Emirates. Uh, We are all throughout the kind of Gulf, the GCC countries as they're called, uh, Gulf Coast uh, Cooperative and and also India. Let's see, we've got uh, roughly 20,000 employees split between those countries. We serve roughly 20 million patients a year and that is increasing significantly. We focus on kind of the middle and lower income strata uh, and so we are all about affordable and accessible healthcare as, as much as is possible to the masses. My role, I, I recently joined in May of this year as the CEO for digital health for AstroDM Healthcare. So what does that mean? That means our, our efforts in digitizing both internally as well as externally products and services for our patients and customers. So what we're doing is we're building a roadmap of, of ways we would like to do that and then fulfilling that roadmap to things that most people would be very aware of to maybe more uh, futuristic things that, uh, that people would not be aware of, but we can get into that conversation as well. So if I understand your organization has implemented a number of digital technologies to assist in the fight against COVID-19. Let's talk about those and how they work. Absolutely. So maybe we could break those up a little bit too in terms of what happened right in the beginning uh, when we all first learned about COVID-19 to what is happening now, because it's pretty different. And the reason it's pretty different is because when COVID-19 first struck us, it took the world obviously by surprise and by storm. None of us could have predicted uh, what had happened. And therefore governments uh, and societies around the world took the drastic measures to come to providers such as AstroDM Healthcare and, and many others and said, you just do what you need to do to take care of patients and people. Because back then, it, you know, the sky was falling. Uh, it, this was a catastrophe. And therefore, the rules and regulations that go around the use of some of the digital technologies uh, were kind of thrown out the window or set aside for a certain period of time so that we could stand up what we needed to. For example, many providers stood up virtual uh, ICU units, right? So that's the intensive care units that, that serve the most critically ill patients. Most of the time that's handled by doctors and nurses sitting right there at the bedside. We and, and almost everyone around the world were able to do virtual ICUs because we just did not have the, the people power to staff that all the time. And we were able to do it across geographies so that you could have a doctor in one place overseeing via digital technology patients that may physically be somewhere else. That was something that was stood up very, very quickly. And when I say quickly, I mean in a matter of days. 
so that we could serve the most critically ill patients. Other things such as just the ability to have a remote consultation with your doctor. That is not a new technology, but it's something that just skyrocketed during COVID-19, just like any other video consult you may have with your kids or someone else, you can now have that with your doctor. That was taken up hugely because what happened? Of course, people couldn't go to the clinics and hospitals or chose not to for fear of catching COVID-19, but they still needed to have their regular conditions looked after. They were able to step into the virtual doctor's office and get that done. There's an ability then where people were able to actually get some of their prescriptions differently online than versus going to the pharmacy like they had been. There were numbers of deliveries when we, when we think about home health and not having to go to the hospital or clinic, but getting things delivered to you that ramped up very quickly as well. Now, when I said we put these in different buckets, part of the reason is, is because now, uh, I, I won't say the pandemic is over because of course it's not, it's something's going to be with us for a long, long time. But now that we have reached more of a trough in terms of the emergency nature of the pandemic, um, we have seen the regulations, the government's coming back and now saying, okay, now that we're at this phase, we no longer are going to give you a pass, a wave on the regulations to just do whatever you need to do to cap to to serve those patients. Now we're going to go through the proper steps to get registered, licensed, you know, uh, the things that you need to do, which I think is absolutely right. And that's exactly what we should be doing. And so now we're going through the steps to actually get all of those things put in place for our patients so that people who want to take advantage of those and where it's very, very well much needed, they can do that. For example, um, AstroDM Healthcare just launched a new app. And that new app gives you the opportunity to have a video consultation with your doctor or book an appointment in the clinic or hospital, have your medical records and, and, and scans and things online, have an emergency, et cetera. That is not a brand new concept by any means, but it's our foray into the GCC region with which launching that app. In order to do that and to be able to offer those teleconsultations, we have to work with the governments in order to get licensed to do that. So that's some of what is happening now, and that will continue uh, as we move forward. So what kind of cost or infrastructure were required to implement the new digital technologies? The, the biggest cost of infrastructure issue actually isn't new. It's your existing IT stack, right? Your existing IT enterprise infrastructure. So in healthcare, what that means is your HIS system, your hospital information system, which controls all the patient records, the data, everything is contained there. The issue there is having one that's robust and good enough to now be able to do the things we need to do when we look at the digital healthcare world. So for example, if you're having a virtual consultation with your doctor online, we have to have an ability to capture that information, make sure it's in the patient records in the HIS system, but also available uh, at, your, at your fingertips if you are the patient yourself. The other costs and infrastructure that goes into this is of course, the cost of building apps and websites and data banks and data lakes, as we call them, and new algorithms, you know, all of those costs that go into it. And of course, those costs also come with other people costs for the organization. So now you even have new types of people that were never hired before by a healthcare company, such as a, a digital engineer 
right? This was not a role before. What about a head of digital product management? That was not a role in a healthcare company before, but really important for how we look at, at digital and, and a number of others. So some of those costs go into it. I will say that, that in digital, the costs are far, far, far superseded by the benefits, uh, both in terms of you know, revenues and profits that are made by various healthcare providers and others, but also in terms of number and scale of patients that you can serve with that technology now. So instead of having to invest in a brand new brick and mortar hospital, build it, take all of that cost, get doctors, nurses, et cetera, to staff it all up. Now you can scale in a asset lighter kind of way and still offer at least basic and maybe intermediate services uh, to people who many of the people uh, where we're going as Aster have never had access to that kind of service before. So how has the pandemic shaped the healthcare technology industry and what do you hope to see in its future? Uh, how it has shaped the technology industry is just an adoption rates. So what we've been implementing here at Aster DM Healthcare is not brand new to the world, but some of it is newer to healthcare. You find some of these technologies in other organizations, but what the pandemic did is really speed up the adoption rate of some of these technologies, right? So virtual consults with your doctor, they've been around for quite a while, but it's just a small little trickle of people. During the pandemic, complete ramp up, huge, huge numbers. We're seeing some of that tail off now, but it's not dropping through the floor, right? It's just tailing off to a degree where we think it's going to maintain and then continuing to grow. And what I hope to see in the future is an ability to, to really be so consumer and patient focused first that we meet consumers and patients where they are and where they need to be. For example, let's say you have a chronic condition, you have diabetes, something like that, and you've got to go in every so often and, and have that checked and see what the doctor can do. Well, do you need to really, every time that happens, take a day off work, travel to wherever you need to travel to, to make that happen, incur the expense of that consultation, everything, perhaps some of the promise of uh, virtual care and such is to take some of that burden away from the patient and, and for certain conditions, be able to do chronic condition management, mostly virtually, because we know what to do. We've got technologies, some of them on our wrists, some of them other places, et cetera, that can link in with what we're building and manage the signs that we need to continue to live healthy lives. That's some of the promise. We're looking forward to that adoption continue to take off. So what advice you might have for other countries about the use of technology in healthcare? What's exciting, most exciting for me about the use of technology in healthcare is actually not, not what I would call the developed countries, it's the, the lesser developed countries. Because what, you can, what we're finding now is even an asset, what I'll call an asset light model, meaning using more digital first, uh, can create access to healthcare like never before. Uh, because it's always been rather expensive to build hospitals and clinics and you know large amounts of doctors and nurses together. So for the less developed world, they may be able to leapfrog a bit of what we've had to go through in the developed world from a cost standpoint to get access to basic and critical care for their uh, for their people. And I think that that's pretty darn exciting. That's really kind of what gets me up in the morning most days is being able to be at least a little bit of a hand in seeing that go forward. I think there's a number, a range of other things. I see the, the ability for healthcare 
to use smart machine learning and artificial intelligence on top of this just tremendous amounts of information to make people's lives so much better. Not, not just more convenient and, and a better experience, but, but really life-changing uh, in the way we're able to, uh, to operate here in healthcare. Would like to highlight something which might not be covered uh, in my questions? Uh, I think with digital health, digital health has an opportunity to help bend some of the cost curve for healthcare, right? We all know healthcare is, is quite, in the developed world, it's radically expensive. In the less developed world, there, it's, a, it's more of an access problem. Um, but I think digital health can help on all of, all of those fronts. And, and even on the quality side, we haven't talked much about that, but when you look at digital technologies and how they're helping doctors and nurses and others actually provide better quality care, not just the access to that care, but the actual care itself, it, it helps on all fronts as so long as we can, um, we can enable people the right way. Thank you very much, Mr. Brajan, for having an interesting and insightful interview with you. I hope you'll continue to contribute in uh, digital healthcare. Absolutely. I look forward to uh, further conversations. Good luck. Thank you so much. This podcast was created by members of the Young Executive Leaders Program of the International Hospital Federation. Taylor Johansson, Canada. Leandro Luis, Portugal. Emil Ackerman, Finland. Dr. Suda Pathak, United Arab Emirates. Dr. Christy Lam, Hong Kong. And Kushal Kadakia, United States.